0: <clears throat> and we're live. Uh, hello, and welcome to another episode of Loose Cannon. We are continuing the talk of Clovis Bray's long-winded journal. Uh, <laughs> he, he has a lot of a lot of science talk, just this sciency word vomit. That it's. I mean, when I read it for the first time. And I do this with like all lore that kind of does this. I kind of get to this point where I'm like, eh, uh huh, uh huh. I don't, I don't know what this means. <laughs> I'm just like kind of scrolling by it, like just trying to get to the yeah. point, the things yeah. that I can actually understand. Do you do that, or, did, or are you like? Oh yeah. <clears throat>
1: no, I skim it the very first time through. Mm-hmm. I skim the whole thing, mm-hmm. and then I'll go back and well, a lot of times I'll skim it, and then I'll get to something that was kind of like revel. Revelatory, mm-hmm. and then uh, and I'll stop and go. Wait, what?
0: Yeah, what did and I then, miss?
1: Yeah, and then I'll be like, "What?" And then I'll start looking up stuff. Now I usually get sidetracked, and I'll go look up some old ass lore from the the Grimoire, and yeah. then come back to it and go, "Wait a minute, what were we talking about?" <laughs> yep. And then reread it again completely, and then years later we'll do it again. Like, what? Wait, did we miss something? <laughs> that's
0: that's that's the thing, right? Like whenever we get something new, and I mean, obviously, years ago they had some ideas, and yeah, uh, they might have just been these like little baby ideas. And I think Deej actually said it. Uh, they they plant seeds and they wait for them to grow. And so maybe someone was like, "I really want to do this, but it hasn't been greenlit yet." But just yeah. in case, I'm gonna put this obscure little fact, and it's like. No one's going to think anything of it, and then, four <laughs> years later, you get something bigger, and you're like, "Wait a second, what that like you go back to it and it's just right huge. It's yeah. like, how did you miss it?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I, <clears throat> it, you know, and then they have a little back door to get out of every little conundrum mm-hmm. that they might find, but but, yeah, just like you said, all that ominous lore that we got in grimmar, i mean from from d one. That lore was very heavy uh, yeah. and very uh, outside of the box because we mm-hmm. didn't know anything about the game. People complained when the game first came out, there was no story, no lo- <laughs> no story at all because what there was in game was a bunch of writings that didn't really make sense or translate well because we had no idea what they were talking about at the time other than this is arc energy, this is what, you know what the void is, this is mm-hmm. what solar is, and this is what your enemies are. Mm. But even that explanation was pretty much in the air <laughs> It's, it's like, like space magic
0: I never, even back then, but especially now I never understood these these no story complaints It's like, it's it's no story in the same way that Star Wars has no story Because there's, right, it's such a yeah. huge universe You can't mm. explain every minor detail the story of d1 yeah. was you're a guardian what does it mean to be a guardian it means you're going on these quests and you're fighting for the city and the traveler and you're kind of uncovering the fact the the opening of the universe that something bad happened and you yeah. don't know what it is yet mm-hmm. and here's this person kind of guiding you on the, this quest the extra stranger and they're saying like You need to destroy this. It's this, like, root of evil. And then at the end, the speaker's like, this was, like, a great victory. No one had seen this coming. Like, we were just kind of fumbling around until the Guardian showed up and, like, did something no one else has ever successfully done. And it was like, that's a story right there. You might not like it, or you might be overwhelmed at the universe around the story, but that's a story.
1: Boy, that sounds different now that you the way you summarize it all just now, looking back on it with I guess you know hindsight's twenty twenty yeah. haha but l- listening to how you say that and putting it in perspective, man, that really was kind of like the first event yeah. where Guardian truly showed like, hey, wait a second, this is happening, but what is this so for you got to think for how many years before that before we've entered the you know the heart of the darkness, or whatever, defeated mm-hmm. the heart of the darkness, and 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 had that realization that the Exo Stranger was here, and all this all this stuff that happened, like right after we were born, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's crazy to think, like, because you know there were warlords, there was a whole tower that was built, there were yeah. many other guardians that had existed before us, but here comes the chosen one, I guess, right?
0: Yeah. Like Especially now, with everything we know now, it almost feels like the tower and the city was kind of just getting by up to that point. It was like, we're we're struggling to survive. We're not really making headway, but we have this city. We're keeping it safe. That's our focus. And then we come in, and it's like, we're knocking down this boss. We're knocking down this boss. We're knocking (laughs) down this boss. We're knocking down this boss.
1: Uh, Yeah, well, that was how the game was presented. I remember pre-ordering... Uh, Destiny a year in advance, well, and not knowing. Any, yeah, as soon as it was announced and it was available to pre-order, I pre-ordered just because Bungie's history. I was a Halo. Guy, you were a Halo you
0: know? guy, of course. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I knew that it was going to be great, regardless. Uh, and if it if it wasn't, you know, whatever, I could just yeah. go back and play Halo some more. But um, so the whole marketing around the game was, hey, you know, this is the last safe city. Mm -hmm. this is the last place on earth where people are safe is how it was presented and we didn't know why all we knew that there was this big orb in the sky we didn't even really know it was the traveler back then it took it took months before they told us what that was um so all we knew is that somehow that that ball of energy was protecting people underneath it and so we had all kinds of theories and ideas mm-hmm. about it, but we didn't know anything. We didn't know nothing. <laughs> no. And then we got the then we got the beta. Oh yeah. my goodness. That blew my mind away. Blew my mind away. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So it's just like you said, you know, we the the <laughs> here comes the little old guardian. Mm-hmm. Here comes little old us. You know, eyes up, dude. Let's go save the world. Or the universe really.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess at the very least the galaxy, like we're not really yeah. focusing on all the nonsense because I have to imagine there's like hive hijinks going on outside of our galaxy. Like there's got to be like lieutenants <laughs> yeah. who are focused, like Z- what there are you know, all I
1: mean, whole other planets being invaded and destroyed while yeah. we're doing all this over here in our solar system, but I this mean, is like, where the traveler is.
0: Zebra Wrath took six years to take notice on us, like actual notice on us. Like <laughs> you're telling me she was just sitting out there was like hmm. Six yeah. years doing nothing? Like no, yeah. they were they were destroying planets. They were messing shit up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean the, the cabal were running from something for how And the cabal. Long. I mean goodness gracious, dude.
0: There were another one, like all the, and, and whoever else, like what other aliens that could exist are just wreaking havoc on other planets that we don't even know about. Maybe they were touched by the yeah. traveler or maybe the darkness passed through and now only the strongest are there. Like kind of like Calus, like Callus encountered the black edge and he was able to go free. The darkness isn't here to kill everybody. And, and, and that, you know, it's, it's playing a, a bigger game. So yeah. who knows what other entities have been, have taken the powers from the dark and have just run wild with it.
1: Yeah. I, I like to use this analogy that, that Bungie is like the snow plow that paves the, that, that moved all the snow out of the way for all the other games to follow. suit. you know,
0: it really did with destiny though. I mean, yeah, it, it,
1: it, it okay. Because, but b- before Bungie history wise, uh, outside of Halo, Halo has a very intricate, you know, um, universe. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's just very complicated and they make mistakes and have had retcons before. Mm -hmm. And so I think they knew going into, uh, destiny that they needed to make, they needed to have a back door out of every scenario. So anytime they do, (laughs) and I I mean, I mean, this in a good way, but I think that they know they have to be conscientious every time they write something,
0: you can never write Um, yourself into a corner. That's, that's right. no matter what, that's a bad thing to do.
1: Right. And I think one of the, uh, the advantages of destiny is you've got this paracausal force that really can kind of help you <laughs> along your way. I mean, magic <laughs> is just kind of like, it's like a, it's an out, it's an outism. <laughs> yeah. But, but before, even before Halo and knowing what they brought to Halo before Halo, uh, you know, they had games like Marathon. And so Marathon had a ton of these alien races, just like we have now. And so it's funny, if you think about Marathon compared to how Destiny is today, you had these, these primary races that you were fighting and you had this over-looming AI that was mm-hmm. kind of, you know, these AIs. And they were going rampant and, and all these things that were introduced. But back in Marathon, they didn't explain the lore. Mm-hmm. All you knew is what was in front of you. And you had to come up with your own conclusions. And even to this day, they haven't gone back and, and, and fully fleshed that out. Really? Yeah. And so there are tons of people that are, you know, fanatics about marathon lore and yeah. they come up with all of these, you know, this is kind of like what we did in D1 when we had no information, we were just coming up with these ideas and these theory crafts. And based on what we knew, we had to puzzle it together to make it coherent. That's what people have done over the years with Marathon. So I think it was a, I think it was worrisome for a lot of people when Destiny first came out that 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 would happen. You know that that Destiny would just be that, and they would never explain what was going on. So huh. maybe that was some of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I know back in like Destiny One, a bunch of people were saying that Marathon. Destiny is a sequel to Marathon or Destiny exists in the same universe as Marathon and things like that. And I was like
1: people still believe it.
0: Yeah, and it's like it's it's a it's apparent, in my opinion, that Destiny is a spiritual successor to Marathon, that Destiny has a lot of Marathon Easter eggs, just like it possibly Mm -hmm. also has a Halo Easter egg. But Mm -hmm. an Easter egg is just that. It's like don't don't look into it too much because it's just uh it's a one off it's a it's a you right. know it's a, remember this and then it don't it's not there anymore
1: yeah well you had the UESC in Marathon and you had the UNSC in Halo <laughs> <laughs>
0: 10 <didn't> know that <laughs> and
1: then- yeah, and then in Marathon you had the Mida. Yeah, the Mida exactly the defense agency, and then is MITA multi tool. And
0: that was the Easter egg that that the yeah. the Mida multi tool is from another timeline where uh-huh. it did a lot of killing, <laughs> and it's like
1: yeah,
0: cool Marathon Easter egg. Yeah. The end. <laughs>
1: like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, there was a little bit of lore that came out. Remember when it got rebooted and the Mita mini tool and multi-tool came out and they mm-hmm. had a little uh lore tab, lore entry to it. Yeah. And it was talking yeah, it was talking about the universe it came from or whatever. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's what I'm saying. Yeah,
1: yeah. and so wasn't that Shaqs?
0: I think it was Zavala's that oh, okay. uh it was something about like Zavala saying uh certain weapons shouldn't be used by guardians and then feature war cults like, uh your Mita multi tool has killed so many people. So maybe you should stop like get off your high horse and pretend pretending uh-huh. that every weapon you use is good.
1: I I love the I love the, the flavor text of that one because it's got so many double double meaning words like a troll. Yeah. <laughs> could be could be a troll or it could just be, you know, an airplane troll, but it's like a troll. <laughs> and then you've got your you know your that stupid compass on it. It doesn't that, that point, point north. Yeah, it just points somewhere. Always,
0: it points to a uh, hidden chest. Remember? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what people used to believe back in D one. Mm. That's crazy. <sighs> well, we can.
1: Uh, I can start the show since we're already talking about items. We can do my lore card.
0: That sounds perfect. Let's go.
1: Okay. I'll keep it short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, uh okay, so <clears throat> we got the donning. So this one was a donning item. Uh, it's called the Emberwick shell. So it's this uh shell that has a candle sticking out of the top of his head. Some people have been calling it the inappropriate shell. I don't know why. <laughs> but um it's got it's got some really cool uh flavor tags. It says, for ghosts who lead others home. So at first you kind of like, what does that mean? Well, just the first definition, Ember Wick, is the small ember inside of the wick that continues to burn even after you're blowing out a candle. So, you know, that little piece of uh, wick that's still burning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the flavor text was what was really cool. Um there's this tradition of having candles in your window during the holiday. And the practice uses light as a beacon to guide family and travelers who've roamed away from home. And so that's really cool. If you think about our guardian going off into the darkness and the ghost is kind of calling him back home, right? Anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, So there's this tradition of having candles in your window during the holidays. It's different for each culture, but some origins differ based on religious beliefs and even regions. Um, The use of light has become a tradition used to brighten up a home for the holidays, and placing a burning candle in one's window is a common tradition that dates back to colonial times. So, since the fireplace was a center for the family, uh, the candle was typically lit from that fire, and then a single candle was often placed into the window when a a member of the family was away. So placing them in the window was a, w- a way to help guide them home in the darkness. Huh. huh. Uh uh-huh. Over time, it was used as a signal for good news or as a beacon to weary travelers. In early America, homes were often miles apart, and the candle in a window from a distance was a sign of welcoming to those wishing to visit. So the candle in the window during the Christmas time could be traced back to the Irish. Um, In 1691 through 1778, the British government oppression created laws to target Catholics and force the Irish to obey British rule. And so these laws were called the penal laws. Priests were not allowed to practice their faith and were ordered to leave the country. So they went into hiding. When it was Christmas, the Irish Catholics would light a candle in the window and leave the door unlocked so that a returning priest may safely arrive at one's home to help say, say mass, which is like they're gathering and praying. Mm -hmm. Um, When the British questioned the Irish about the candles, they said that it was a way to welcome Joseph, Mary, and the baby Jesus during Christmas time. And so the tradition changed over the years and it became to mean a beacon of hope for any passerby. So it had a Christian root, but it morphed over the years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so strangers passing by could even seek food and shelter in a home that had a candle in the window. So when Irish immigrated to America, the tradition was brought over and continued to evolve even more. And so in colonial times, a lit candle in a window let travelers know that they had a safe place to stay, offering refuge. Uh, window lit candles also represented a beacon for a family member that was away. And so the family lit a candle every night in hopes that their missing member would one day find their way home safely through the darkness? Hmm. That's it. So our Gus is telling you, "Hey, I know you strayed away from the light, but here's a little candle on top of my forehead. And <laughs> one day, maybe you'll come back."
0: I mean, it's <laughs> not like we're—it's not like we're leaving the light. We're just accepting that we have the ability to wield the dark.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess
0: that's one way of looking at it. That's interesting. So,
1: happy holidays.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah for ghosts who lead others home. hmm Nice. All right, well then, I guess that only leaves us to get into Clovis's, uh personal log. You ready? I'm ready. Here we go. So last week we ended uh, with the messages, uh, message from Elsie Bray uh, saying that she was going to come to Europa, which was a big deal because Clovis um, doesn't talk to his grandchildren. His his son is dead, uh, and so all he has is his grandchildren, and he doesn't seem to talk to them very much. And <clears throat> in some of these entries here. I've actually noticed it a little more, and we'll get to it when we get to it. Uh, but so we're going to be starting out. If anyone's reading along or just trying to follow along on their own, uh, that is the first Entry 6. And uh, so in Entry 6, Clovis uh, has a revelation that Clarity Control, the, uh, the statue of the darkness, uh, the veiled figure, is inviting him to make a gate. And so that is actually, the gate that he eventually makes is that giant gate in the glassway strike. Hmm. Yeah.
1: So, so that I mean, big gate is what Clovis made, well, physically. Well,
0: he didn't make it himself, but so you you go in a little further to Entry Six Amendment, and he reveals that his strategy was to Get a Vex to build the gate for him And to get the Vex He had a raid on the Ishtar Collective And it went (laughs) off flawlessly Despite the fact that there were some casualties During the outbreak Those two things don't exactly Mean the same to me When something goes off flawlessly Nobody dies in my opinion Yeah, Yeah
1: He had already kind of expected casualties
0: Yeah Flawless raids have a different meaning to Clovis Bray. (laughs) I've done so many flawless raids. It's impressive. But, um. He gets no medal. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, one thing I wanted to mention here is, uh, another back in D1. Uh, the Ishtar team who found the Vex, they were trapped in the Vex simulation. They weren't sure if they were the real them or if they were the simulation inside the Goblin. And so they had to bring in the Warmind. And they used it exactly like that. The Warmind. They didn't say Rasputin. And this was back before we understood there was only one Warmind. This was still when yeah. we were under the belief that there were multiple war Warminds, which there yeah. is not. And... uh in this, it, he actually mentions that Rasputin intervened with frames and orbital fire in in stopping their raid. Because he's basically like, okay, I'm protecting the Asher Collective now. Hmm. Which... Aurora Knives. I mean, that would probably be the orbital, fi- orbital fire, right? Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Isn't that kind of odd that Clovis Bray... Is planning a raid on the Ishtar collective and Rasputin is stopping it or attempting to stop it.
1: Hey, wait a minute.
0: <laughs> right? Like, aren't they supposed to be on the same side? Yeah. And it it that's just kinda like the first um in, in this in this the first uh instance that like maybe Clovis Bray isn't as in control of his company. As we've been led to believe. Right.
1: I guess it's like, it reminds me of like um, the duel when two guys are standing in front of each other and one pulls Mm -hmm. out a knife. So the other one pulls out a bigger knife. Then the other guy pulls out a gun. So the other guy pulls out a, you know, bigger gun. Mm -hmm. And then eventually they're both holding nukes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I mean it's like, it's basically the it's basically the equivalent of him pointing a nuke at him and saying nah.
0: Yeah. And uh continuing in this, he does he does get the vex to build the gate and he mentions how the gate is shares nothing in common with the structure of clarity control because of course it's not. The clarity control statue is of the darkness and the vex gate yeah. is of the vex. Uh so <laughs> Thank you, Captain Hobby's Clovis Bray. What a jerk. <laughs> like he almost <laughs> seems like he's surprised that they're not the same exact thing. He's so yeah. like tunnel visioned on clarity control. He's like nothing else is here to help me but you. Everything else is just stupid.
1: Yeah, like it's just it's just on the fringe. Mm-hmm. So okay, so what's funny to me is when you think about Oryx Uh, being duped into opening a Vex portal and Mm -hmm. bringing in the Vex into his reality.
0: Do you think they... Uh, uh, Go on. No, no, no.
1: It's fine. This this parallel in the story, uh, if you aren't aware out there, people, but there's this um, story of Oryx being duped by his sisters into um, letting the Vex come into his um, reality. His throne world. His throne world, yeah. And so they had to fight the Vex for how long? Like for just a ridiculously long time. And I guess time is really kind of irrelevant. But um, in that instance, they fought the Vex for so, so long. And so to me, in my mind, if I think of Clovis using a Vex portal, (laughs) it's kind of like, hmm, how does he how does one acquire these knowledges? You know, mm-hmm. so maybe, maybe there's something to that. Maybe there's not, but maybe there's something to that. I know that we, we know that the Ishtar team, the Ishtar uh, guys were, were actively um, engaged with, you know, with the Vex mm-hmm. and their simulations and they were fighting that whole thing forever, which in fun, in funny terms is not really anything because if they're if they're battling the vex in a reality that was simulated, that timeline doesn't exist in our reality mm-hmm. so it's not linear yeah.
0: you know you <laughs> just do, like oryx you do make me think though like so Clovis is incorporating the vex to create this this portal, this gate to uh what we will eventually find to be uh, what they call the Forge Star, uh, Volantis, I think it's like Volantis 2082 or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, he does that because Clarity Control guided him to that. Why did Savathun, how did Savathun get this idea to trick Crota into opening up the uh, the portal to a Vex world in right. Oryx's Throne. Like, where did that come from?
1: I mean, her whole, her whole very existence is trickery. So I guess it's kind of like, it's kind of like, well, duh, of course she's going to do that. But well, yeah, no, I, what I get mean, why she like, would do what it. Is the, yeah. What is, the, what is the end game? What is the
0: point? Well, I'm not even saying that I'm saying, where did she even oh. get the idea?
1: Yeah, that's a good like one. did
0: clarity control like like is she saying I want to live forever? Because that's the Bethune's thing as well. Like she became the mother. She she took the mother morph because she wanted to live longer than the 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 normal
1: lifespan yeah, of uh, a night yeah. or uh, whatever.
0: Yeah. And so was clarity control kind of speaking to her telling her the same thing you got to go find the vex that's that's the way to immortality they're doing it good copy them type of thing and then she was like Mm. i'm not going to do that but i will let my brother do that
1: (laughs) oh man this is where this is where entanglement happens right yeah so this is what happens when you're so narrowly focused on one specific story of, of the entire universe of destiny is that you forget that there's all these other parallel stories that have happened, Mm -hmm. but were were the underlying influences clarity or did it have something to do with the darkness uh, influencing the other enemy races to do uh, to carry out their agendas, which were probably seeded by you know, if you put the sin, if you put the darkness at the center of everything, right? Mm-hmm. And you say, okay, let's just hypothetically say that the darkness <clears throat> has planted seeds in all of our enemy races to seek out an agenda that helps them mm-hmm. uh, converge to one point, which is this origin point that we're all headed towards. Because, because if you think about it. As guardians, we're kind of like, we're, <laughs> we're kind of forced to be, we're kind of forced into these positions where we have to make hard decisions uh, based on what's happening around us. So we, we don't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, we really don't have a choice. Like choosing the darkness was not a, necessarily a choice. I mean, we had to, otherwise, there's nothing, you know, there's nothingness if you don't. Hmm. So Callus kind of accepts the nothingness as the end all point. He knows that much because he's seen the black edge. He knows that everything is inevitably going to go dark. Mm-hmm. The high saw a way to live forever. And so they're trying to perpetuate their existence by prolonging it as long as possible. And they learned that by something, mm. probably the darkness, uh, the fallen were gifted like the guardians, and they're kind of the the cautionary tale to us as to what are the pitfalls of falling following the traveler mm. uh, but they were led to they were led to their own um, destruction and now are kind of being led by the darkness mm. and and the vex are just machinery that inevitably inevitably will calculate an in means to the universe around them, to where it's just transformed or converged, almost like an AI that has gone Mm -hmm. uh, to a higher, there's a word for that, singularity. Like if an AI, so like the war mind, when we first learned about the war mind, the first thought that everybody had was, oh crap, he's going to be rampant, he's going to be evil, he's going to cause us all to die, right? Nobody wants to trust Rasputin. Well, the Vex are kind of like the, the removed version of of rasputin the vex don't have that will to understand humanity or learn or have any kind of written ident- identity they're just machinery uh that wants to transform everything around them but how did that happen is yeah. it the darkness we learned about uh we learned about clarity we learned about um what was the lord we learned about the uh the Precambrian explosion.
0: And yeah, that was uh, the the Winnower. The Winnower said that yeah. they were they they inspired the first uh, murder on Earth. So if
1: you think about that in in relation to what's happening with Clovis, how does he how does he come to the conclusion that a vex gate is necessary? And Clarity, obviously he learns Clarity, but so yeah, that's yeah. scary to think. We could all just be on We could just all be on the same path
0: Yeah But uh, So he does He does build the gate And he's planning to go through He's going to be the, the first to go through But not in the flesh He says that he will use his assistant As a remote proxy And it is also exciting that he can Hardly And then he died.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's comical. Yeah.
0: How is he... I really really just can't stress this enough. How is he surviving at all? Like, what is he? Is he just, like, organs opened up? Like, is he just a chest cavity opened up for easy surgery replacements? And it's just, like, a super sterile room?
1: Has to be. Has to be, right? I mean, that's where my mind goes.
0: I don't even know. It's just, it's so weird to imagine like what this actually is saying about him, how he can exist in some way where he's, he's basically using a VR robot, but his body is in like just tatters. It sounds like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's having to constantly replace his organs and be rebuilt um, so that he can sustain his mind before it can be transferred into a body that, yeah. Well, yeah. So it's kind of like, <laughs> and he knows that it, it's got to be the body that he goes into. It has to work before he can transfer.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, this is his one shot he's got, and he he can't make the mistake that he let his son make.
1: Oh my god, sure so it's so bloody! Yeah, that's so cold.
0: But uh, so as he's dead, and I guess this is uh. This is kind of like a Thanatonotics, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's he's dead, notes.
0: and he has he has these dreams. He's done this before. We've talked about this in a previous episode. Uh, he's dead, and he has this dream. And in this one, uh, just to quickly summarize it, he was a beast on Earth. He was a like a salamander or an eel type of thing, and uh, water <laughs> passed through the Earth. And where the water passed, there was grass, which aphids would uh, eat and survive, and it was it was good like that. And then some ants came, and the aphids uh killed the ants and they the rivers widened, and it made the grass uh more plentiful and so the the aphids uh strived but then Clovis as this salamander slash eel uh closed off one of the paths of the these little rivers, these streams, and because of that, it made another stream. Even bigger making it even better And he told the aphids of the path He closed off to go to the other one And survive together Join together And he kept doing that Until he's building a pond And he's making all the streams divert Into his pond Where all the aphids live and it's It's all great, and uh, thus I proceeded to join all the streams together into one pond, and whenever the aphids of a small stream might protest, I said to them, go look at my pond and see the plentitude I have provided to my people there. When it became necessary to stop those upstream from polluting the water, I offered them the bounty of our pond, the grass and the watercress. And if they did not yield, I sent ant fighters against them because they were pretty good (laughs) injured. (laughs) <laughs> their their petty good injured the good of the all, yeah. and so I I really want uh. you, I really want you to remember that that statement that he 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 is helping all of the aphids, and if you don't want to go to receive his help, then he's going to kill you for the benefit of right. the aphids that will receive his help, and so he goes on to say. I appointed ministers of the water and soil and seed and war, and to the most loyal I gave these posts as reward. But ultimately, their <laughs> power depended on me, for they were aphids and I was, and this is capital L Leviathan. And so I've Damn. seen, I've <laughs> seen people <laughs> asking if this was reference to the Leviathan on the fundament, and I wanted to ask what you thought about that, because it seems weird that the Leviathan, a creature of the sky, okay, would wait be a like, second. "I'll help you, but not you. I'm killing you."
1: pause, this whole thing that you just read, I glanced over it. I mean, I must've just read right over it and just thought, Oh, well, this is just a dream. Yeah. No, man. So there's so much more to this dream. It's basically tying into what I just said before you started talking about this whole dream. Think about all of our enemy races being led down rivers into one singular pond, Mm -hmm. just like this, this dream he's having. Now who's to say that this dream was his, like he owned it. This dream Mm -hmm. that he has could have been just very much a part of, the darkness and, and, and their whole agenda. But okay. if you think about it, if you think about the streams and you think about how they're all converging into one big pond and that whoever controls the pond ultimately controls the endgame. All of us as as Guardians, Fallen, Cabal, Vex, we're all being led to the same origin point. Think about it that way.
0: So actually I, I should just finish his dream before we yep. continue to have this conversation. So He says, In time I became the coordinator of all water and the dispensator of fertility. Then I became the coordinator of coordinators, and I gave up the control of thirst and life for control of those who had control. And all my craft became pure and abstract management of power. Then upon the horizon, a wave, and the wave was God, and it approached me, saying, (laughs) We are as one, you and I. We are the gathering of waters. Gather unto me as they have gathered unto you. We will be as one. The aphids screamed and begged me for salvation, but I was not of them. I was of the wave. And so clearly a message from Clarity Control and written in allegorical large print. I am in the eyes of Clarity, the leader of humanity. This is why they contacted me. This is why they want me. And so he calls himself the Leviathan, who is granting life to the aphids by killing aphids who don't want to subscribe to his pond. Yeah. Yeah. And then the God Wave is coming, and he's like, Yeah, you aphids are going to die because I am of the God Wave, not of you. But then he really throws the, the wrench in it, in my opinion, where he says, This is a message from Clarity Control. Clarity Control is the God Wave. I am the Leviathan. I am of the God Wave. But we've we been led to believe that the God Wave was a product of the Traveler this entire time. Yeah. Like the fundament God wave,
1: right? So I just so we so so that God wave could that God wave have been uh, created by the traveler, but because of his just because of his passing by, not necessarily a direct influence. Like if you put it in that term, but could it, could it in be in
0: his in Clovis's dream, the God wave is, is purposeful. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Sorry, Jesus. And then so if you think about the pond as just basically a a microcosm of the fundament and how they had their, yeah. And they had their battle. So our soul system could just be a macrocosm of the fund (laughs) that this is funny Mm -hmm. because a fundament to the hive was just an um, immense, um, immense area. Mm -hmm. And so to put, to put, Things that exist in the universe into such a small scale as like a pond, but then have to blow it back up to like our soul system and then shrink it back down to think of like ants and aphids it, it's 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 very it's very parallel but it sh- it just sh- goes to show you that there's so many there's so many layers to all of this, so all of this that's happening i mean there's a reason why this is in there, right
0: yeah. <clears throat> so i want to ask you with mm-hmm. with this dream in mind yep okay i need to i actually need to think about how i can yeah no it. you're you're um, blowing my mind
1: because this whole pawn thing is really kind of uh is kind of opening up something
0: so let's believe the book of sorrows tale i mean that was written by Oryx. horrible reliable narrator right there but <laughs> so let's believe everything in it is absolutely true the 53rd moon the traveler was causing the syzygy which would cause Uh the god wave to destroy everything on the fundament everything yeah the leviathan who is of the sky looked at the proto hive and said the light is harsh or the sky is harsh and sometimes you just have to go with it Mm -hmm. things like that right Does that make sense for the Traveler to do in any capacity? Does everything we've learned, even from the Winnower's side of events, everything the Traveler does seems to be, like, passive. It runs away. It just tries to uplift people. It doesn't ever try to purposefully hurt people. It might leave them behind, and that might end up hurting them. But it doesn't. it isn't the action of hurt.
1: Right. Which it's the action. God wave is. Huh. Okay. So, yeah, this is a little meta. But, but yeah, so maybe you're, maybe you're onto something. Maybe mm-hmm. the, the traveler is, is grasping at the sentient life within the universe to say, hey, the only way to exist beyond now is to follow me. And in order for you to follow me, I've got to give you something that you have to chase after. So it's going to hurt. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm
1: going to give you this gift, and then I'm going to perceive to take it away. And in order for you to get it back, you've got to follow me across the universe somehow, or you've Mm -hmm. got to have this. You've got to have this thing inside you that makes you need whatever I've got some way, right? Mm -hmm. It's 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 almost it's not trickery. But it's almost like the traveler is not really trying to manipulate you, but trying to say, if you want to keep going, I, I got to go. But if you want to keep going, maybe you should be right behind me or, or do something that gets you to the next point with this gift or something. And, and, and then, of, again, we're kind of prescribing that the traveler has all this, you know, just conscious thought that he's mm. telling us these things. I mean, that's not happening. Right? I mean, well, to to this day, we haven't heard the Traveler speak, you know? So it's so, not like...
0: So I think there actually is some trickery in this, but it's not coming from the Traveler. I think the Darkness was coming, and the Worms used that, used the knowledge that the Darkness was creating the God Wave to get the Proto-Hive on their side, to get them free of the fundament.
1: That makes sense because and so, there's an army.
0: Yeah. And so this dream that Clovis is having, I think the first half of it is a dream from the traveler trying to get him to stop and he was the leviathan and he was helping people and he was doing good and you know things like that. But then because he's Clovis, he he can't do nothing but good. He can't help everyone. He has to help them in his way. So he yeah. sends ant fighters, and it's like because it's it's his. It's still him. He's the Leviathan. And yeah. then when the God Wave comes and it says, "You are, uh, we are as one. You and I, we are the gathering of the waters." Clovis is compelled. It's like this is the darkness coming in, compelling Clovis away from the light, and. Yeah. Uh, He actually says, uh, the aphids screamed and begged me for salvation, for salvation, but I was not of them. And it's like there's, it it feels like there's two conflicting sides in his dream where half of it feels like it's of the light. Because the the darkness would never be like, I'm going to help you. (laughs) That's not what it does. But the traveler isn't. I'm going to kill you. So it feels like there's both presences in his dream.
1: Yeah. So then that then that goes back to like how Clovis has done all of this work to to expand um, humanity, but at the end of everything that he does, it ends up being twisted and get and he becomes uh, not a not a nice guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's kind of like, yeah, I'm helping you. I'm helping you, um, aphids and ants. I'm helping you get to this point. But then when he gets to the point, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, he ends up making that choice.
0: And maybe be that's because guy. of uh, what you said before about the the, the pre Cambrian explosion when the winnower, you know, seated seeded the planet with darkness every everything from planet earth has darkness within them and that was shown in the beyond light campaign where we didn't need the splinter to harness the darkness itself we already had it so maybe yeah maybe there's that's this this part yeah yeah where he, he has this dream where he's being shown the light by the Traveler Where he needs to help people Build the pond and help the aphids But there's still that piece of the darkness in him Because he was born on Earth Where he's going to kill the aphids that don't want that Instead of doing it the way the right. Traveler wanted
1: Right So for you people out there listening right now The the Cambrian explosion Was something that actually happened They called to it in the lore uh, A while back And the Cambrian explosion was when basically life exploded on earth and the seas and the oceans were full the fundament of earth <laughs> was full of life almost seemingly out of nowhere so you had all these little amoeba and you had all these little singular celled organisms floating around and then all of a sudden boom there's this one event that caused life to explode all over and then and then right after that Annihilation. and then it start it took a long time for the first life to really kind of crawl out of the ocean and mm-hmm. start to you know become something else and evolve and then here we are but yeah
0: yeah in in the lore it's uh from the it's from- sh- uh shadow Keep in the book unveiling uh it's called the cambrian explosion and and it's it's talking about like a little Blobs of ooze that lived Peacefully on earth they only ate what they Ate and that was it until The winnower came and basically Compelled one ooze to eat another ooze And then gain Everything that that ooze has Mm -hmm. Eaten and so it ends saying It was the first defector The first predator it changed everything Now the ooze balls needed sensors to watch For danger and brains to integrate Those senses and generate plans for Survival and swift neurons and muscles To enact that plan this was the Cambrian explosion, <laughs> the great birth of complex life on your world. I caused it. I, the defector, the destroyer, the one who takes. And so, it, you know, until then, we were just like kind of mindless, just like.
1: Yeah. Coexistence. Yeah.
0: Coexist in nonsense. Yeah. N- no complexity whatsoever, because any form of complexity adds. Takes. Yeah, yeah. Adds that yeah. drive. Yeah.
1: So in order to be a complex organism, you have to have defeated something before that in order to evolve to your higher state of being. And it's similar to what's going on right now in the universe where our enemies and us as guardians, as we evolve, in order to evolve, we've got to destroy some pretty bad people, right? Mm -hmm. In our minds, I mean, we've killed gods.
0: There were bad gods, though.
1: Yeah. They weren't the right ones. (laughs) We evolve, yeah. <laughs> Goo, ooze, ooze,
0: ooze balls. Yeah. We are no longer ooze balls. Now we, now we have ice powers.
1: <laughs> We're using the stasis to. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: And, uh, to get back <laughs> into his journal after his dream, he actually sends another message to Elsie, and he's it's it's basically just a cut and dry message. He's just saying like, I'm not gonna condescend, blah blah blah. I need to know how your your uh, disease is working. Transmat system is unfortunately not ad- an adequate imager. And so he actually <laughs> mentions, perhaps Willa will one day learn how to engrammatize and duplicate the human form. And so this is what I was talking yeah. about uh, before where Clovis Bray is believed to be the figurehead of the Clovis Bray uh, factory company, whatever it would be called. Mm-hmm. And so you have Anna, who built Rasputin, and told Rasputin to guard over the Ishtar Collective, and when Clovis came to raid the Ishtar Collective, fought Clovis. And you have Willa, who made engrams, and it it seems almost like Willa's not involved whatsoever, they're not talking, she's doing her own thing, and if they were talking, he would probably pushing be pushing her more to engrammatize... And duplicate the human form. Because that's exactly what he wants. He wants to live forever. And if he could turn himself into an engram. And then duplicate himself. In a better form. Then that's living forever. And Elsie. Who uh, seemingly did nothing. Until it came to the Exos. And then at the end of that. I guess Anna came back on board. For Exos as well. From what we know. About her. Yeah. Uh, it's just it just seems like uh Clovis Bray might be the name of the the company, but all the brays are just working on their own projects, and Clovis Bray doesn't have control over what they do or control over what they've made
1: yeah i guess i I guess um I guess some things probably may or some things may have just been capitalistic in, 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 in adventures or mm-hmm. adventures, you know, and, in and, in, uh, in to keep sustaining, uh, progression on his end. You know, like, you know, he, he has his agenda, he has his motives, but in order to help, um, make that happen, you've got to have, you know, money <laughs> <laughs> or, or you got to have some sort of, you know, Glimmer, you got to have some sort of thing that that you know people will. You got to have it. You know, you got to have the tools at your disposal. You can't get those tools without money or glimmer or
0: do, labor. Do you think they had glimmer in the golden age? They had to have. I right? don't know. Was that like the currency though?
1: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it was. Glimmer feels whenever like a you hear currency. about. I know, but whenever you hear about, like, how long have we known about? How long have we I don't even know where to look to see if Glimmer how far Glimmer goes back? Like did warlords use Glimmer? They did, right?
0: I have no idea. Maybe.
1: But but were they using it before the collapse? Mm. This is crazy. It's and Glimmer.
0: Like, Glimmer. <laughs> Glimmer is like a material that can become whatever you want it to become, right? Like, that's the weirdest thing yeah. for currency. It's, it's like a... Perv-
1: Wait, so isn't there somewhere in the lore that talks about how Glimmer happened? Like, it was... I can't remember. It was stored... It was kind of like a, a byproduct of trying to make engrams or something? I or think that, I that
0: sounds familiar. Totally wrong. Where yeah. uh, engrams are the fourth state of matter. Solid uh-huh. solid, liquid gas engram. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so glimmer. Uh, which is being not it's not activity. it's not
1: it's not a far concept uh yeah. from sci-fi because the things in sci-fi are thought to exist on another plane as long as you can access a plane through some sort of mathematical equation. So like for instance if you had the mathematical equation to store infinite knowledge, you could figure it out uh just by, you know. Uh, just by figuring out the problem to that math, math mathematics, so like for some sci-fi circles they talk about an Ingram, but it's not called an ingram. It, it's like storing information about matter so that it can be re it's almost like it's almost like having a zip drive, right or having a zip uh, mm. file, which is a much more complicated script but it can hold so much more information <laughs> and then you just have to unzip it. So an ingram is like a much higher state of mathematics and code and you can just unzip it later yeah. and get whatever was originally in there.
0: Ow. And 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 so here here's here's actually um what I was trying to say though. Uh in the original Destiny 1 uh grimoire ghost fragment uh it, uh card whatever the hell he's used to be called um (laughs) it says with the right inputs and an energy source glimmer can be transmuted into nearly anything isn't that crazy though like so you're telling me that i can just take a pile of glimmer and it's like computer tv uh what do i need like a blender you know whatever i need it to be a pile of glimmer becomes it. That's like the craziest like <coughs> sci-fi explanation of money ever, where it's like you take money and you exchange it for objects because money has value. But glimmer yeah. is actually the object if you want it to be. So that's... <laughs> and uh, I think this is kind of what you were saying. Uh, between its inflow and outflow lies the pool of liquidity. Glimmer used for tr- used as trade currency. Master a hole in the tower, for example, sells re- recovered matter engrams in exchange for glimmer, since he knows he can use glimmer to acquire new engrams and keep them flowing to guardians. That's <laughs> yeah. And isn't that too it's silly, like... though? Like, how does anyone? <laughs> So
1: it's like it's
0: like grimoire
1: is it's like grimoire is our regular code, and then the, the Ingram is the zip version yeah. of the of the glimmer. But both can be whatever you want as long as you write it the right way, right?
0: Okay. So unfortunately, this gear requires resources to manufacture. Guardians must bring enough glimmer and other staples like spin metal and relic iron to keep the engine of the city's <laughs> economy turning. So yeah. it's not just glimmer. You need glimmer, and you need your plastics, and you need your metals. Yeah. But it's like, how does? I don't know. It's like, how smart is it? Like, what does it actually become?
1: I guess. I guess it becomes anything, but you gotta have the right elements <laughs> to do. So remember when uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, the new monarchy guy made all his money. Plus, yeah. Well. He still needs glimmer, and then and then you think about like who are the other people that are trading in glimmer now? No one really. There's is there a glimmer exchange still? Yeah, at the spider. There is right.
0: Yeah, every bounty.
1: Yeah. So you're getting oh. glimmer. And that's,
0: and that's that's another like, weird thing because it's like the fucks of all. <laughs> You're making me pay to do my job. <laughs> Spider, yes, at least dude. I kind of guess where he's like, I have this high value target who can give you something, but I'm going to need something in return for giving you the information right. of its whereabouts. But even that isn't even glimmer. That's ghost shell pieces.
1: Right? Yeah. That's a lot of ghost shells too, yeah. by the way, that's all another thing. Cause there's only so many
0: ghosts. Yeah, that that is that is a finite source. There are no new ghosts being created. Yeah. So where are all these are these just shells or are they actual ghosts? I mean a lot of dead guardians got a lot of dead shells, right? Yeah, I guess.
1: Remember when the ghosts used to just kind of float freely in and out of the the first tower? I do remember that.
0: First like tower the, the original the original tower had um a lot of like little things like that. Like they had the PA system, they had yeah. the ghosts, and in the dawning the sweeper bot would be making snow angels. Like why is that not here? We have, <laughs> we have snow angels. Yeah, they the got game. rid of the they
1: got rid of the floating balls this last dawning. No, they do not the ball- Yeah, we don't have the balls that we can go to. The take purple ball. Go, I saw no, it the other day. No, I know the purple ball, the little glowing
0: Oh yeah, I remember those Probably because every year people are like This is something (laughs) 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 Figure it out Maybe if we take one to every corner of the tower And let them go at the same time
1: Wouldn't that be funny if there really was And we just all missed it I
0: just never understood what it was the entire time
1: Yeah Well they got rid of that So maybe there's something to that
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, Maybe they were like It's too late, you don't get the cool thing Yeah. (laughs) We gave you to figure it out. So we're all
1: trading in Glimmer, and we're making engrams, but in order to originally in order to understand how to make engrams, you had to be of a higher knowledge, which was the Cryptarchs. And then as you kind of learn yourself as a field scout and become a guardian and you're like leveling up, you can kind of decode some of the engrams in the field yourself because you've acquired this knowledge, I guess, somehow.
0: I mean, I think that's a, at least partially just a game enjoyment. Yeah. It's like the Cryptarch's still in, in, decrypting it. It's just, I you know, remember. no one wants to go to the Cryptarch anymore. Yeah. The only reason you go there is for prime engrams, not even exotics anymore. It used to be greens and blues you could decrypt yourself, and yeah. it was like legendaries and exotics you had to bring in. But that's lame. I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Now you can just pick up bounties
1: from your app on your phone.
0: Only if you're in orbit or logged off, which is... Oh, like, yeah.
1: What's up with that?
0: We'll get, we'll get there eventually where they let us just pick up bounties. Like, the, instead of going yeah. to the tower, we'll just have a bounty tab, and it's like... Bounties. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, well, okay, so in Halo Reach, when they had bounties and weekly uh, things on mm-hmm. the side, you didn't go pick them up from anybody. They were just there. So if you happen to do it while you're playing or you could just try to attain it. It was just already there, and it would reset every week. I wish that was... I know that we need to go to the tower and show our presence to other people around and kind of be, you know, population in the game, but um, I wish I could just log in and start playing instead of have to go spend 20 minutes at the tower and then fly over to some other dude and talk to this dude and... Mm. Pick up a bounty here and there, and oh crap! I forgot to pick up that bounty when we did the nightfall, so I didn't get that reward.
0: God, it's just
1: a mess. <laughs> and now wow. we have so many materials.
0: We're we're gonna lose a lot more next season wow. with it when they become absolutely trash. So, everyone listening, if you have any relic iron. No, not relic iron. Seraphite or, Uh phase glass needles. Alkane dust? Yeah. Alkane
1: was on Titan.
0: And uh, Mercury. What was Mercury? Simulation cores? Yep. Any of those. Spend them at Spider as much as you can.
1: Because they're just going away.
0: Yeah, that's like, you know... Uh, get into that farm of glimmer to legendary shards to enhancement cores and then glimmer legendary shards enhancement cores glimmer legendary shards enhancement cores whatever whatever it is you have to do to just spend them you know just to get rid of them because if you're like me and you have like thousands of them they're just sitting there doing nothing
1: yeah I can't wait until we get spirit bloom again spirit (laughs) bloom
0: that was on Venus uh huh well whatever we are kinda at our time. I don't even know what our time is anymore. If we're an hour or a little past an I think hour. We
1: still got about ten minutes.
0: Yeah, that's usually what we do. We do like a hour forty hour fifteen. Yeah. Uh the next entry is a big one. Though. And uh I feel like we should get through entry seven and then yeah. we can uh cut it there because then The next one I'm really excited to talk about, but I think it would be more exciting if I can, I think I can make it happen for on, on screen fun. Okay. Okay. uh, Next week, but I can't make it happen. Yeah. So we'll save that one. So we'll get the Entry seven. Entry seven is the one that I tweeted in the teaser. The whole point of it. Uh, Clovis passes through the big gate at the, uh, what is it, Glassway? I completely forgot what it was freaking called. Yeah, it's a Glassway. Yeah, the Glassway strike. Oh, actually, you know what? That actually, that's interesting. Um, is it in this? Yes, okay, it is in this. So it's interesting. We'll get to it as we go through this entry. Uh, the big Vex gate in the Glassway strike, which the gate opens up and there's like a the pool of Radiolarian fluid and it hurts you to go in it and uh he goes through it with a bunch of people including elizabeth and immediately they uh a curtain of blue violet fire filled an entire half of the sky pebbled with granules seething with promontories and flares uh they stood beneath a blue hypergiant titan of suns looming over all and it should have killed all the human-bodied companions instantly with peak radiance in the far ultraviolet, it could cook flesh. But the probes said it was impossibly safe for life. And so this is <laughs> our first encounter with one of the coolest locations that I was really hoping we were going to see. I understand why we didn't see it. Europe is huge. Europe is awesome. Um, but this is uh, the Forge Star. That What they were looking at is the Forge Star. Uh, Volantis... I know it's here somewhere. There it is. 2082 Volantis. Yeah. And uh, they're kind of amazed at it. Because like I just said, it should be killing them. But it's not killing them. And it's like, how is that even possible? You know, they're they're on this planet looking at a sun that should be so powerful, so hot, so bright that it kills them. That it burns their skin off. And they're, he has geologists who are identifying the rock on the planet and they're saying it's almost 13 billion years old and i don't know how a geologist can just look at a rock and do that but that's <laughs> impressive maybe yeah. they taste it they're like mm. <laughs> carbon dating is just in <laughs> his taste buds yeah it seems it seems pretty fast right like pretty instant wouldn't that take some time at least
1: yes I, I don't know maybe their instruments and tools are like super high hyper advanced
0: you, it, this rock is almost 13 billion years old, the geologist whispered. It formed with the very first generation of planets, less than a billion years after the universe were born. We are standing on a dissected piece of one of the first worlds. Like, how do you understand well, that? How, I know, right? Who, who are you right. to have the balls to say this statement? <laughs> like, hmm. And so... Clovis also has an astronomer who says that's not possible. That's a type O hypergiant there, which of course anyone can tell just by looking at it. They're lucky to live up to two million years. And metallicitly, whatever the hell that word is, fifteen sigma above average. <laughs> that is not an old star. And uh so that's where we're kind of getting into it. You know, they're they're trying to uh figuring it out. And that's why it's called the Forge Star, because whoever the inhabitants of this planet were, uh, they had refueled the star. They were, f- they were stoking it. Enormous portals dumped steams of hydrogen into the giant, replenishing its mass and fusion power. At this obscene size and brightness, the star should have gone supernova in less than two million years. It would take a single photon to crawl from the core to the surface. Which It's crazy that would be the bad thing. That would be the thing that makes it go supernova. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: That but is life can exist in it. So it, it kind of helps, it kind of helps explain why the VEX relate r- radiolarian fluid is able to, to live in such a volatile environment because that mm-hmm. environment is protecting that very much, that very much protecting that life
0: mm-hmm. form. And <clears> so <throat> that's actually, uh, to just to continue a little bit further and then we'll we'll go back to the star. Uh it seemed our gate had delivered us onto one of these satellites. We ventured out of the ruins onto an island of living glass, broken by fissures of deep green light and v- reservoirs of white fluid. So, Vault of glass. Does that make you think our living glass? Does that make you think Vault of glass? Absolutely. Because it makes me think like, wasn't Atheon like very glassy? Like he wasn't metals, he was like see-through and shiny and stuff, like
1: his whole entire vault was just glass. I mean it's just just just, yeah.
0: And there was the green lights there. It just seems like it almost seems like he came from the Forge Star planet, like to us. Uh Like he was like stepping right out to it, right? Like just that's his whole theme. And maybe that's even where we went. Maybe like maybe we were actually transported in the Excursion into the Vault of Glass And we were just beneath the surface of the Ford Star Planet that The would planet be needs a name Does the planet have a name? Unless Forge Volantis Star. is the name Oh, Volantis Is that the name? I'm going to check that really quick But what is interesting uh, No, it's not a thing No uh what is interesting though is that he's talking about these reservoirs of light f- of white fluid, and then when we go into the glass strike, this living glass uh island reservoirs of fluid, the portal opens, and basically the fluid's just pouring out right like i that that's just like an inter- like a really interesting uh attention to detail i like huh.
1: Okay, so <clears throat> so the Forge Star, yeah, is where it where it's forging new life, and that's the star kind of itself. Like,
0: but I yeah. I guess twenty eighty two Volantis should be the planet,
1: maybe. With and then so that's just glass.
0: Well, that part of it, because it sounds like it was like in shattered pieces. Yeah. Oh man, it's almost yeah,
1: like so- a satellite of the star, but it's per it's. Totally glass.
0: Yeah. So the Vex live on a shattered planet and the hive came from a gas giant planet, which huh. to them felt like a planet of uh layered seas. Yeah. Destiny has a really interesting way of handling its planets.
1: Yeah. Well, if you think about like Jupiter and its gaseous nature mm-hmm. nature, it's 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 layers.
0: Yeah, no, gas. exactly. Yeah. It's something that so like You you learn in school, it's a gas giant. You're like, okay, so it's just like a a big thing of gas. There's nothing really Uh to it. But having it illustrated as like it's got layers of oceans because that's how it would feel to be on that planet. It's like, that is insane to think about. Yeah.
1: Like, like, you know, we're on Europa, but we're on the outer layer. And beneath all of that massive crust is just an ocean Mm -hmm. underneath. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a slushy ocean underneath and then further down if you could get to it there's there's you know there's more uh layer but like on 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 titan it was also the same idea mm-hmm. of just layers you know so there's this ocean of methane, but on titan uh there are and rock that, formations yeah from the debris that settles from the atmosphere and creates uh almost like a crust
0: Mm-hmm.
1: there too so you could it's funny we didn't see any of that on Titan but you know Traveler but there are places you could land
0: yeah I mean they had a
1: they, they had to right build
0: their uh, their rigs into something they can't just be on nothing right they have to have yeah. some sort of structure
1: yeah and that's the other thing like the atmospheres are completely different so like like IO <laughs> I mean to go there and to even have anything but if the reason why io looks the way it looks is because the travel that was the last place the traveler was trying to terraform it before everything mm-hmm. fell apart and so like you see those huge uh conical shells and the nautilus forms formations those fossilized looking things it's mm-hmm. maybe had something to do with how the traveler terraforms is by using you know certain whatever at his disposal
0: years ago uh some of the the planet designers they were like doing a tour of it or something like that and they were answering questions and they said that the bones and shells were put there on purpose it wasn't like just this will look neat it was like they had an idea behind why they would be there and it never really got explored and I'm kind of upset about that yeah not that it can't really cool, ever though. get explored it c- it can one day it just was not it's almost like a. It's almost like a hyper
1: speed um, evolution. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My mind goes everywhere on that one.
0: Like maybe maybe the planet needed some form of primitive life to be terraformed and then evolve from there. So it like like mm-hmm. you said, like a hyper speed evolution. Like it, it existed and then it died and it fossilized and that is the process of terraforming from the traveler. You know. It, yeah. It,
1: yeah, well, it takes life to to create the vegetation and stuff around yeah. you. I mean, that doesn't just happen. You know, yeah. it takes it takes eons of evolution for that to happen. But the traveler has some sort of ability where he can just do it. You know, really quick.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> I mean, Venus, you know, has tons of vegetation on it and life. Mars did at one time, sorta.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's something that's always just been weird, where it's like, yeah, Mars was not what, Mars and Mercury, it's like, yeah, these were, like, beautiful planets and not just dusty spaces. It's like, really? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Huh. But, uh I always thought
1: it I always thought it interesting that Venus and Mars were always trapped within this like binary nature with each other as far mm-hmm. as like existence goes within our solar system. So like mm-hmm. the vex the vex would go from one point to the other <laughs> but it was oftentimes uh you're either on Venus or you're on Mars or you're on but you're on both, mm-hmm. but not really. Or you were just in the garden,
0: <laughs> yeah. And then in the vault of glass, it was like, "Are you going to Venus or are you going to Mars?" And it's like, "You're not going yeah. to Mars. You're going to the the past of Venus or the future." Right, of Venus. right. Like, Venus was and, dusty and, at some point. Like what? And so here's the cool thing about it is,
1: oftentimes in <clears throat> astronomy, uh, scientists will describe uh, the planet of Venus as Earth in the future if we let it. You know, if it became a greenhouse you know, uh, environment. And then Mars was Earth but in the past, like if it lost its its uh atmosphere. So what would happen to Earth if it lost its atmosphere? It would look like Mars. What would happen to Earth if it gained a ridiculous amount of you know horrible greenhouse gases too much atmosphere it would look like Venus. Yeah. So it's just funny that that's all, crazy. for all those years. Yeah. For all those years if you thought about Earth why does it look the way it is well if it if it didn't have the moon <laughs> to help churn up its atmosphere and keep it going, then it might end up like Venus or it might end up like Mars.
0: Can you imagine if that's like like real life if that's what happened like people were on Venus and people were on Mars and they just fucked it up in different ways, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they had to go to Earth. <laughs> that's hilarious
1: and like the only way they could to go to earth is just throw their dna out in orbit
0: yeah this kind of hope
1: and then it happened somehow dinosaurs first happened but then eventually we got here some sort of sentient life would emerge that's yeah. called panspermia by the way
0: i don't okay <laughs> <laughs> but so continuing into this entry uh they're they're very intrigued by this whole thing uh he actually mentions above us looms structures linked by bolts of lightning, reminiscent of the citadel ruins on Venus. And so, I thought this was interesting that the the Vex have this like this thing about um, replicating architecture on different places and it it seems to serve a purpose maybe it's like this is the machine this machine does this if you want this machine Mm -hmm. to work on another planet you got to rebuild the machine and it's got the same architecture it's got the same doorways and the same portal locations and stuff like that so for volantis we're gonna call it that for ease if volantis has a uh structure like the citadel ruins on venus that means they have that tower that Skolas went to to go back in time to pull the wolves into the future to build up his house and that was called the terminus and so it's like the terminus the terminal and it had all these these vex portals like so many more than you've ever seen in like such a small confined space and it's kind of going back to the um uh beginning of his creation of the gate he uh where does he mention it? I just want to find it really fast. I can't even find it. He, the beginning of the gate, he makes it sound like, uh, it makes it sound like it's uh, what's that show? Uh, Stargate, where they have the symbols on the gate yeah. and the symbols line up, and it, yeah, it, it's like <clears throat> these symbols bring you to this place. That's kind of how he described the gate working in this, and. So it's almost like, is that what the terminus was? It was like the ease of access to have all these gates going to different places. So you can come through one, go through the other, but then come back through and go through number three, and then come back through and then go through number five, and then come back through and your final end goal is is gate number four, or whatever the case may be. And it's like, you don't have to reconfigure any of the gates. They all do their own thing. And that's why it would be the terminus, the terminal of all these Vex gates. And they have yeah. a similar structure on their original planet. That's, that's crazy. Just, yeah.
1: And uh that's hyper complex to think <laughs> of too. Yeah. <laughs> like and, any portal could take you to one place, but they're all interconnected in one way or another because they have a design purpose.
0: Yeah. Where it's like it might <laughs> you might have to you might have to get a couple of layovers, but you can get anywhere by going yeah. through any portal.
1: <laughs> yeah. I know you want to get to New York, but you got to stop in Austin and then <laughs> like Florida.
0: Yeah. Except it's instant. So it's not that bad. <laughs> I hope, uh, I hope I can stop by at Bojangles. though. We don't have Bojangles up here. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite uh, yeah. thing about layovers. It's like, you got a Bojangles in, the, in this airport. Cause I'm, I'm gonna be happy about it.
1: <laughs> that's funny, dude. Uh,
0: but then there is the big reveal. And uh, so Clovis writes, I called over one of my scientists and M. Sundaresh. And he says, I want to bring back samples. I told her there will be some risk. The Vex are not always docile. M. Sundaresh, Maya Sundaresh, part of the Ishtar collective that he just had a raid on. It's now working with him. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> kind of like a, a Big red flag, isn't it? Yep, (laughs) I remember I read that absolutely, and it was so jarring to read that Maya was working with him. I was like, What the hell? What did I miss that let her come work with Clovis? Like, that's not who she is. And I was like, She has to be like infiltrating, she's like espionaging stuff like that. Like, something is up with her,
1: yeah, or she's
0: not who she is. (laughs) Well, so. <laughs> we do we do learn what was up with her and, and especially like later on when she you start seeing more of her you're like that's not who Maya Sundareshi yeah, yeah. is like a different person but uh so the vex samples that they that Clovis wants is of the vex milk the radiolarian fluid and when they do that uh, when they begin to harvest the fluid from the nearby reservoir, a group of lightly armed VEX platforms attacked them with inaccurate weapons fire. Elizabeth replied with a matter laser, a grotesquely disproportionate weapon. A coherent matter pulse bears the same rela- relation to an ordinary bullet that a gamma laser does to a flashlight. I don't know yeah. what that means.
1: <laughs> he's, just, he's just saying she used a really big gun that was wildly unnecessary. Oh, okay. It's like using a laser versus a flashlight.
0: Oh, okay. Like to light a room. It's like, yeah, this laser's going to yeah. like shoot a hole through your wall, but it'll light up the room really nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Clovis is, has to use obnoxious I terminology. I know. And... uh I explained to her that we must proceed as investigators, not conquerors. If we simply scavenge and abduct out of curiosity, the Vex will reply in kind, and that is a risk we can manage. We must not provoke them to war. Which is the most unclovis clovis thing I've ever heard him say. He's he's being non-confrontational. He's like, no, no, we'll work with them. <laughs> like, what? That's, yeah, that's, that's a little shady. Yeah, who are you, Clovis? <laughs> he's
1: just, um, I mean... You know, he could be just be driven by that that madness yeah. you know, to, to get to the point that he needs to get to. Yeah. And so he's he, just like it's not it's not important. Let's just keep going. He's keep so going. close
0: to exos that he's willing to compromise. Can you believe yeah.
1: it? Heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Tolan, I guess. Same thing.
0: Yeah. Same thing. Oh
1: well. Oh well.
0: Okay. Well then. So, I feel like next week, we will be finishing off the Collector's Edition journal, and we'll be getting into, maybe the week after, uh, the ARG, which is the continuation of the journal.
1: Yeah, that would be a great next episode.
0: Yeah. Even if we don't get to the continuation. because This is huge. This This whole journal is probably one of the biggest ones we've ever gotten. Because like the first one we got was Cl- was Cade's Journal. And that was all scribbles in the margin. And that was in Taken King. And we didn't get one for Rise of Iron. And then we got Destiny 2 and it came with Callus's uh, hit list. Which wasn't yeah. really a story. It was just like, this is this guy, this is this guy, this is this guy. And yeah. that was it. Yeah. It was great. I loved it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, then in Shadowkeep... Because we didn't get one for for Forsaken. And then in Shadowkeep, we got the... This one.
1: Yeah, that's a good one.
0: That was a good one. The K1. And the K1 K1. is a prequel to this one. So this is just like one huge story that we're finally seeing the conclusion to.
1: Yeah. You know, what's funny is all of this, like, right since K1 has been kind of um, expanding on the grammar that was first originally written. So this is great. Yeah
0: that's true this is all like this is all like vanilla destiny one stuff finally being like in in yeah. insane detail explored it's yeah. very exciting yeah i can't mm. wait mm. but that's going to be us for this week if you want to find more of us we are on twitter we only tweet about the show uh so you know you follow us on twitter and you you hit that uh notification bell thing and, um, hit the, hit the little bell thing next to following and it'll send you a push notification on any details about the show. We do a show every other week. So our next episode will be on January 10th. Is that, uh, any, any issues with that? Just Nope. Perfect. Nothing that you think of. Okay. Uh, January 10th and we will be continuing and ending this, uh, collector's edition lore and uh maybe even getting into the next uh continuation of it which was the ARG lore yeah which is some interesting stuff in there some really that's where it like really just like kind of starts to spiral and I think after that once we get through that I think our next one should be uh legacy lament yeah because that kind of continues from there as well a little bit and then when we actually start getting into the lore books of the, the, of the year, it's like more scattered. It's like this one's taking place during here and this one's taking place during the latter half and it goes further. And this, yeah. one's, you know, it's all over overlapping. Uh, but so at loose cannon show on Twitter, if you want to follow us, that'd be awesome. And, uh, if you came in late, we also are on, uh, anywhere that, uh, Podcasts can you be can listened listen to. to yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is like search loose cannon show uh, we post on Anchor and that gets posted on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Apple, on Android podcasts, uh, Google Play. I think it's called. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, so yeah, thanks for watching.
1: Bye. Bye, everybody.
0: Yeah, or YouTube. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I'm just reading chat. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>